What is up, Ridge Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live number 43 this evening. We have a fantastic show with the one and only Liz Canty. Liz is an elite ultra runner from Alabama who has competed at the front of some of the toughest races in the U.S., not just east of the Mississippi. This past weekend, officially three-peat the Mountain Miss 50K, winning that race back-to-back-to-back years. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Or maybe take us on a run. That's what you should be doing. Don't sit back, relax. Go for a run and enjoy this episode. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to the show. Hopefully you recognize who tonight's guest is, because if you don't, I I really have some questions for you about how closely you follow our sport. Uh, Anyways, tonight we're going to be joined by the incredible Liz Canty, an elite ultra runner from Alabama, who most recently won the Mountain Miss 50K, this being her third straight win at that race, along with five straight finishes, either in first or second place. Uh, In addition to that, Liz is a former Division I rugby player, winner of the Barkley Fall Classic, Pinhoti 100, and the Lookout Mountain 50 Mile, along with podium finishes at Georgia Death Race, the Bear 100, and having the FKT on the Smokies Challenge Adventure Run, a 70-mile route across the Appalachian Trail. Liz, it's been said, like, I think literally a thousand times, but I'm going to say it again now. You clearly have a lot of grit and toughness. We're so stoked to have you on the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. I was jamming to your theme song, and then I realized this was video, so it's going to get really embarrassing really quickly. (laughs) It's definitely a little bit better than Wesley's old dance move of the week. Um, He has quite the (laughs) reputation for being able to dance, but only from the waist up, at least with me. So... (laughs) We're always excited. But anyways, uh, my name is Cam Wrench. If you don't know, with me tonight is John Dolovacki III, who's also going to be helping out host. Um, we're going to start with our usual first question. Liz, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, and I almost forgot. This is a Francis Coppola Claret, just a red wine that I bought at Costco 30 minutes ago. <laughs> tonight was Costco night. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Uh, JD, what about you? I am going with a classic that would make Wesley proud, um, a PBR. (laughs) I've got a um, secondary one because tonight's going to be fun. So that's what I'm doing. How about you, Cam? What do you got over there? I have, um, same as the last show, an Osher IPA by, I think, Land Grant. Yeah, Land Grant Brewing Company. There's enough breweries in Columbus that I could very easily get that wrong and somebody would be upset. But you'll see it's in this lovely knitted coaster made by my friend Alex Dyer. If you would like one for yourself, just get at him on Instagram. It's at goosebelly underscore grandpa. Uh, This is kind of the coziest thing that I've ever owned. So (laughs) just wanted to plug that there. Your sweatshirt looks pretty cozy. That's not like a, that's a college sweat, college hoodie. That is the ultimate in cozy, I think, actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's. That's fair. And while this is very cozy, <laughs> my experience as a student at the University of Chicago was not. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we'll move on to our first question. Liz, we introduced you tonight. You just won the Mountain Mist 50K. It's your local 50K down there in Huntsville, Alabama. This is your third straight win. Um, let's recap your race a little bit, starting going into this. You know, you've run it five times now. Are there any different concerns? Are you very casual going into this race? Do you do any specific training for it? What's going on? Um, Unfortunately for me, mountain mist usually falls in such a weird time of year that um, 
my coach and I, uh, at least for the last three or four years, haven't done a concentrated uh, mountain mist training cycle. Uh, I dream of one someday so that I could uh, go after the, the current course record there, but it usually falls in between um, recovering continually from a late fall hundred or getting ready for early spring hundreds or, um, or Barkley or, or, or something else. So um, yeah, actually I came off a 70 mile week uh, ran 10 miles the Tuesday before the race took another six mile run and uh, took Friday off. And that was <laughs> kind of how it went. Um, and then, yeah, so that's not no real buildup um, aside from using, I run the trails here. I don't think there's better training for mountain mist than spending every day on the course uh, basically. And then showing up the start line, ready to go. It's my, it is one of my favorite races. That blue light was my desktop screen lighting up. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> that's, that's perfectly okay. We've had our fair <laughs> share of uh, tech issues in the past with this show, including one time when Wesley's phone died in the middle of a show. And all of a sudden I was in charge of the tech things, which, uh, as most people probably know, I should never be. But anyways, Liz, um, kind of like take us through your day then at Mountain Mist, you know, sure. no taper going into it, you know, where the legs heavy, you have any sort of like rough moments in the beginning where you were worried about um, how the race was going to go? Or was it all just sort of smooth sailing as it kind of seems to be based on your results at this race? Five years into the same race, um, I think anyone would figure it out. But this race has a has a pretty steady history of a incredibly fast start. You do about three quarters of a mile on the road um, before you hit uh, one of the only clear trails on our mountain that isn't just rocks and roots. Um, and so you've got about two and a half miles of seven minute pace running sub seven if, or six minute pace if you're David Riddle and the front pack of men. Um, and so we all go out super fast. Uh, never feels good. Uh, and it stays fast for about 10 miles, um, 10 to 15 miles stays really, really fast on our easier trails. Um, and I generally end up with a chase pack of men. And then what I generally end up doing is stepping off trail and letting them go and letting them be stupid, uh, or not half of them are my friends. I shouldn't call them stupid, letting them, <laughs> letting them make, make, letting them make their choices. Um, and I, join what I call lead female no man's land, which is, you know, lead men, chase pack of men, generally me and my headphones um, <laughs> and my Gatorade chilling out uh, and enjoying, my, enjoying the rest of my day. Usually I have one or two men who fall back and run with me for a bit or I catch up to a few. It's um, a, a really fun front half. And that's how you generally hear mountain mist uh, front half, back half. That's any said about any race, but here, um, the back half of Mountain Mist has such an incredible legacy. It's one of the nastiest last 14 miles of a 50K. So it's not actually half the race, but it takes half the time. And so the goal of the race is uh, back, make your back half time equal your front half time where the front half is longer. Um, and if you can do it faster, you're incredible um, because that is where the majority of the gain is. It's, got, it's like a 4,500 foot gain race. Um, 3,000 of it are in the back half of the race, at least 2,500 or more. And uh, it's technical, it's rocky, it's, uh, there's a rock face you hand over, hand boulder as part of it. Um, and it surprises people to say the least. You see, you know, people standard 10 minute uh, trail pace times hit 17 real quick. Um, 
So, you know, knowing the race, you just enjoy the first 15, 16, go as fast as you can without redlining so that you have uh, skills for the back half. And then I, I, and I enjoy the back half. It's technical. I fell down a waterfall like I always do. I had a great time. Um, caught up to a few friends and uh, I always chug a Coke at the last aid station. They offer, I think this year it was Miller Lite. Uh, they offer Miller Lite and Chili, but I don't know that I would run another, it's another mile and a half to the finish. I'd probably burp my way there. So I chug a Coke and uh, the last mile and a half is my normal tempo run. And so I just take off like I would on any standard Wednesday tempo to the finish. All right. That's, that's really great. Miller light and chili at an aid station, a mile and a half from a finish is not something that Oh yeah, I have. Yeah. I have no thoughts about that. Um, I do. And I think it sounds awesome. <laughs> I just, I, the Miller light, I can see just the combination with the chili. It's like, you're having a sit down meal now. I've seen people finish with the beer in their hand because they'll take it with them. Generally they'll give mm-hmm. you pour one in a paper cup, but if mm-hmm. you look, if you look rough, they, they will let you take one. And I've had friends cross it, tucking the empty can of Miller in, or PBR. Sometimes it's PBR um, into, their, into their pack to hit the finish. All right. Well, hopefully Michael Owen's listening and he's taking notes for uh, Seattle races. Because um, that's a pretty solid idea if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but now... I've mentioned it before, but Liz, you've done Mountain Miss 50K five times, five years in a row, and it's on your home trails. Do you think repeating a race like this multiple times helps you to engage more deeply with the community there? Oh, definitely. I think that's an incredible way to say it. Um, I mean, this year being COVID, I can't tell you how much that, you know, the pandemic breaks everyone's hearts, but especially in such a generally small race, um, it's only about 400 people. Um and it, I, and I think generally we show up at the lodge, it's usually 20 degrees. So everyone gets in the lodge and I spend the morning hugging a thousand people. Um, it would be a germ fest if, you know, <laughs> if we weren't so worried about COVID. Um, and it's everyone from the, in, from the Mason Dixon and South, uh, that I've known for years. So, uh, it's not only local, our epicenter of trail running in Montesano, um, every, every aid station is people I've known for years. Um, people who got me into trail running in some cases. Uh, but on top of that, it's someone I ran half of lookout 50 with someone, um, you know, I trained in the Georgia mountains with, and it's, it's an incredible day, um, to not show up is heresy, uh, and, and, you know, injury, sickness, hell or high water. You see people there, you know, in a boot, hoping they'll just be able to, <laughs> to limp it out if they can. Um, it, it means a lot to our community and it's, uh, 20, this was year 27 for the race. Um, so it's been going on a while. It's incredible. That's, that's really great to hear. I always, I love local races like that, where you get a bunch of the same people there year after year after year, and you get really a good feel, not only for like the people putting on the race, but like the people who live in the area and what they like and just the vibe that they can bring to an event like that. And so with that said, you know, you're really engaged with this community. You're giving your thousand hugs and all the non COVID years. Do you feel uh, support at the front end of this race because you're a local uh, sort of like, are the people in the mid in the back of that uh, pack, are they rooting for you to win this race versus any outsider who may come down South for it? 
We are Southern. We are as nice as they come. I'm not Southern, but uh, we cheer for everyone. But uh, it is something else to come into an aid station where, you know, people are willing, people know exactly what you want. People know how fast, how fast you want it. Um, and you are cheered the whole time. Side note, it means more people take pictures of you, which is handy. Um, I generally, least people know I'm coming. Um, but I think we cheer for everyone regardless. If, if a woman pulled in front of me in the last 500 meters, she would get absolutely cheered on as hard as I do. Uh, they might just not know her name. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that I stay, uh, usually the race is an eight or eight and a half hour time limit, depending on like this year was wave starts. It was weird. Um, I stay till closing bell and we cheer everyone through. Um, and I think I cheer and it is cheered louder for the people who, just like at Western golden hour, right? The people coming in at seven fifty nine, um, they get a much bigger audience and cheer than like me and Dave Riddle coming through first. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a better community than I've seen in a lot of trail running places and definitely better than the road running community, which I think we can all agree on. <laughs> One of the things I do really love about the alternate community is like, even though those races, like it doesn't matter if you're finishing first or last, like everyone understands like it's your own challenge. And so while it's awesome that people do finish first and come in at the same time, it's like you said that cheering for the people who come in at the end who have had maybe even a larger struggle for that individual race um, than anybody yeah. else so i always love that about that community makes me feel good mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah and so i'll take a minute now just to remind everybody if you aren't subscribed to our youtube channel if you're joining us for your first time or if you've been here every time we really appreciate you we'd love for you to hit that subscribe button if you're listening to this later as a podcast we love you too uh, Ridge Runners is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we would love to hear from you in the form of a review on any of those platforms. Uh, let us know uh, what you want more from us uh, coming in 2021, because we're so excited to keep this show going. And so um, kind of transitioning a little bit, Liz, your ultra signup really seems to show a preference for races in the South and in Appalachia, although not exclusively. We were just talking before the show about the Bear 100 and your better host, Wesley Harton, has actually literally yeah. just moved out to Logan, Utah today, if y'all didn't see that update on his Instagram. But Liz, is there a reason for this? Are you more connected to the environment or to the community there, or are these races just kind of closer to home? combination of things I think um in the I, I live here I work 50 to 60 hours a week I'm, I'm kind of limited on how long I can disappear uh out west to obviously some really beautiful areas although uh, I think I've generated a lot of vacation time working COVID overtime at this point um but you can't beat the gnarliness of the southeast and uh no matter you know how often we get out west for a race we train here so, um, you know, once I conquer or, you know, conquer is not a great word. Once I attempt all the races I'm interested in, in, in this part of the country, I want to spread out. And of course we want to move. Um, I, I'd love to, I'm only 29. I want to live a few different places than, uh, Huntsville, Alabama in my life. Um, but I, I think there's no substitute for the, uh, terror of Southeast trails, uh, that I think doesn't get its due, uh, rocks, roots. Yeah, we don't have altitude. You won't you won't have no oxygen when you get to the top of a climb, but you will suffer all the way to the top. Um, 
the CCC did not believe in switchbacks when they built these trails. It's my favorite thing in the whole world <laughs> to just go straight uphill. Yeah, we definitely uh, appreciate that too, even though our trails are a little bit more north. And anyways, humidity is really just poor man's altitude. Oh. So oh, yeah. we have plenty of that. I assume there's even more of that down in Alabama. <laughs> it's on, oh man, there are days. Um, I, I run a lot in the mornings. I did this morning as well with a, a girlfriend who OTQ'd. She's a, she's a road runner. We run a lot of mornings and there have been mornings where we step outside and it's 100% humidity, which in layman's terms means it's raining, but it's not, it's just a hundred percent humidity and it's, it's incredible. And uh, you just walk outside and you're soaked. And um, you, then you, the, the best battle to play is do we run when it's dark and hundred percent humidity or do we run when it's blazing sun and 79% humidity? And uh, that's, let me see, May through October here. So I'm done, <laughs> I'm about done. <laughs> definitely definitely a longer season of that intense humidity yeah but i know myself i'm usually a person who runs in the dark and then just comes home very sweaty like almost like i've just gotten out of a pool yeah i i am very i'm sweating now and it's winter here which means it's 50 degrees out um but i i will say like you said poor man's altitude um i never altitude train i don't get intense i don't wear a silly mask or whatever altitude training things people do. I just run here all summer and then I go out West. And if, if we're going to race out there and before COVID, I, we always got out West to race. And um, the only time I was ever affected was I think Santa Fe 50 miler up at uh, over 10,000 feet. And that was the only time I got like a little bit of a headache. Otherwise 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, totally fine after a summer out here. Um, so I want to take it back. Um, and I mean by back, I mean, like, how did you start in the ultra running community? Like what was kind of your first races and, and what was that like first race that you decided to do? I want to know how, what got you to where you are right now. Oh, this is such a lovely story because it's not missed. Um, full circle, uh, 2016. And this is, uh, I think this is my favorite sort of saying we've created. Um, I got here in January 2016 to Alabama. I was here on a six-month contract. That was five years ago. <laughs> if that says anything about uh, what I found here in the South. Um, so I got here January 16th or something. Uh, a week later was Mountain Mist. Um, I made a few friends and I actually worked that last aid station with chili and beer. Um, I had trail run a little bit up north. Um, I'm from just outside the Boston area. And seven to 10 miles on trail, I was all about a Boston Marathon qualifying time. That's all I cared about. That was running to me. Um, and then I saw the people who were 30 miles into a trail race emerge from uh, this last climb to the aid station. And I was absolutely blown away, not only to see the winners come through, um, but to later see, uh, this was an icy year, I saw people covered in blood, you know, who had slipped and fallen. And we're fine, you know, climbing up blood, pouring down a shoulder and, and I'm just standing there in, you know, shock, probably drinking a PBR <laughs> going like, my goodness, this is silly. You know, <laughs> this is very strange. Um, and then eventually going, um, and, and what did it? And, uh, she, her name is Sally Brooking. She runs this race every year. Uh, she's a grandmaster. Now I think 
she came up top. She had perfect flowing Farrah Fawcett hair. She, she never had up, she never had on. She said, it's perfect hair. And uh, she popped up and just chugged a beer and headed to the finish line. And uh, that was it. I was like, oh, I, I need to be her. I'm going to be her when I grow up. Um, and I started training for, I signed up for 50K that night um, and won it uh, a few weeks later. Took my road training and headed to a small race in Alabama that was a 50K and uh, haven't quit since. That is, that's that story. That's, that's yeah. lovely. <laughs> I love that you just got into it and you're like, I'm just going all in. And, all in. <laughs> do you think, um, you know, previous to the ultra running, the, the, the running you were doing up in Boston and then the rugby stuff, do you think that played into having a strong base that allowed you to succeed so well? Yeah. So I, I had uh, tried to qualify for Boston in the fall before I moved to Alabama um, up north and it had gone horribly. Um, I don't, I don't enjoy road running that long. I've done, I've since done one hardcore road marathon cycle just to see if I could get closer to three hours. Um, it hurts a lot. Uh, and it took me so long to recover from that. Um, but I kept training cause I already signed up for another marathon, you know, the good old cycle of that went horribly. Let's do it again and try again. Um, and so I had all this road training base and, um, but I learned easily from trail running, like, oh, I can run for three hours and I can walk the next day. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt as much. And I learned the same from that 50K that I did in uh, like February of 2016. I was like, oh, this is fine. Like I, I wasn't hurt. You get to eat Oreos in the middle of it. There's beer at aid stations. I, I was offered Fireball. Like it was, in, <laughs> and I was like, this is way more my speed. I used to chug Fireball in college. I understand this community. <laughs> this is where I belong. I did one more road marathon two months later to see if I could BQ. Um, I spent the entire, spent at least 20 to 25 minutes in porta potties throughout the race. I had a really bad day. And uh, that was it. I just, that went so horribly, um, took forever to recover. And I just bailed. And I was like, you know what? Trail running. And then uh, about nine months later, I BQ'd by accident and I jumped into a road marathon for fun to pace a friend to her BQ and she quit. And I just ran ex whatever, like 3.33, that exact two minute gap you need. And um, so I, trail running saved whatever road running career I thought I might have um, and probably made me just a happier person in general. <laughs> that's, that's a really great story. And, you know, uh, hopefully Alex Jackson and Chadwick Robinson are in the chat. They're both big fireball during races, guys. Um, <laughs> And especially coming from drinking it in your college years, uh, I myself couldn't do that at an aid station because it would remind me of my college years. <laughs> but, you know, um, and so backing up a little more, Liz, um, and a lot has already been said about this. But before you even started getting into road marathons, you made the transition to being a runner from being a division one rugby player. Um, what advice do you have for people who are looking to make like a similar transition from a contact or like a quote unquote athletic sport to get into like trail and ultra running as the sport grows? I think I still look like a rugby player in this view that I've created. These very, <laughs> very broad shoulders I have. Um, so uh, I think, you know, apart from, you know, crazy contact sport, I mean, I was, you know, sled pushing, push ups, weightlifting, the physiological change to, to running 
isn't a small undertaking to say the least. Um, to, if just to make the muscles work for you and not against you, you know, to carry an extra, I mean, a oh God, I should, you guys can put it on the podcast page. I'll send you pictures from my rugby days. I was about a, 150 pounds. Um, and I'm five, two. If you can imagine me with, I'll stand up 25 more, 25 to 30 more pounds of weight. <laughs> that was me. And I was a tackler. And, um, that took about three years to, from when I realized I needed to quit that sport and find a sport because I always need something to do, um, to sort of not quit lifting and just start running, but to find that good balance of lifting in other places and then, you know, moving to maintenance and tone and not, you know, can I keep bench pressing 150 pounds, stuff like that. Um, so there's the physiological part of it that was, uh, pain for everyone and then uh psychologically uh team sports are team sports if uh the other team scores that's not on you necessarily um that's on the team if you quit your 100 mile or 50 milers in uh 50 miles in that is a hundred percent your fault <laughs> that is not the weather and that is not uh your crew that's that's on you and um so you know, if you're moving from a very team oriented sport into uh, even road running or ultra running, um, with the exception of maybe the partnership you have with your coach, um, you know, or if you're on Bowerman Track Club and you've got a whole team of ladies to work with, I don't know, you are very much on your own uh, for your success. And um, that worked well for me. I'm very much a loner. Um, I played a position in rugby called fullback, if there's any rugby nerds who are listening, uh, <laughs> which is a, a, a good equivalent goalie. Um, you're alone. You are left in the backfield um, to take on the gigantic woman with a rugby ball coming at you trying to score. Um, so you're the loner in the backfield. And so yeah, moving into a very loner sport wasn't wasn't too, too hard for me, but um, it was causing me way less injuries than getting tackled to my face <laughs> every every weekend. So, yeah, I think it's possible. It worked. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, I also made a similar sort of transition where I did lose about 40 to 50 pounds coming from playing, um, very probably at like as much lower of a level as you can get playing middle linebacker in high school football, um, <laughs> was not, was not very good. Often also got ran over and injured. Um, yeah, I believe but yeah, definitely also made that transition myself. So I was very curious to hear um, what your thoughts were because it was a, it was definitely a weird few years there, very yeah. in between things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird time to be like, okay, I need to go to the gym. I need to lift, but I need to do, you know, seven reps of 10, you know, seven reps, 10 reps on each of 15 pound dumbbells mm -hmm. to just keep, you know, <laughs> make sure nothing totally turns to just, extra skin hanging off you to not, uh, you know, turning up M&M and doing power lifting with my team. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a different thing to go to cardio. Yep. Um, yeah. We had one comment in the chat from uh, Alex Jackson. John, I think you're muted. Am I muted? No, I'm not. I can hear myself. Um, this, I see his mouth moving. You don't hear me at all? Yeah, I do see his mouth moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This this happened to me last week. John, is there some kind of tech issue? Maybe just like nod your head. Shouldn't be. Um, 
Oh yeah, you can see it's going on and you off. Mute. The little mic thing went on and off. I just saw him go on and off. Um, so do you have do you have like the slider? Can you turn it up real quick? It's uh, it's working on the output going to the outside, but apparently you can't hear it, or maybe you can. I don't know. You just you just came up. Can you turn up a little more? You're a little faint. So I don't know why it's uh, there. It all is, of a sudden, but um, it's there. But what I was saying was, uh, Alex Jackson is indeed in the chat this evening and says, um, he goes, he loves the fireball on the rod. So he was listening <laughs> for you. Fireball is, fireball has a special place in my heart. It's a special vomity place, but it's a special place. <laughs> special I'm almost 30. Can't probably yeah. can't do it too much longer. <laughs> I mean, how old is Lee Connor? 10 shots of whiskey at what race was it? Oh, Grindstone? That's yeah. a very good episode if you want to go back and listen to, um, well, Lee Connor, just be Lee Connor, and we try to get yeah. out of the way mostly. <laughs> she's, she's diesel. <laughs> she absolutely runs on diesel. <laughs> diesel, that's right. I also would like to be her when I grow up. <laughs> I, I think we all would. I still love her um, description about tire pulling for getting elevation. Mm. She's like, I strap a tire on and I just run around the park. What? Brilliant. But I, what? It's awesome. I will say I have yet to put on a tire. So I think maybe we're disappointing her in that way. We will soon enough. Gotta, That's true. I got to find a tire. I don't even know where to find a tire. I yeah, guess I, I don't have a tire. One, but I don't have a tire line around my house. Not one I could use for that, at least. Mm -hmm. You're, I assume you would just put your car on blocks and just grab one off that. <laughs> you just, when you're as gritty as Lee Connor is, you make it happen. Yeah, you just pull your own tire off your car and drag it around and put it back on. I, can that, see that, <laughs> I, can, I love it. You just go to the parking lot and you just crank up your own car, pull your tire off and just do your laps, come back, put your tire back on and go home. That would be something to think see. I don't think the warranty covers that. I was, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm thinking that it. through now, that feels unsafe. Um, that is not a Ridge Runners approved activity. Please don't sue us. But if you I do it, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I love yeah. how we're also doing a um, Benjamin Button style, I think is what it's called. Um, reverse going from like all the way back in your history. So we started like current ultra running and then moving back to that and moving backwards. Would we like to talk about the 15 years I did uh, karate when I was a child and taught and became a sensei? Because I can talk about that too. It could get weird in here. You're, you're I've black, had half a, black belt? I've had a class of one. I was a third degree black belt in Kempo <clears throat> Karate in Taunton, <clears throat> Massachusetts nice. at the Shahari Dojo. Google it. <laughs> still there. I, I go visit still. That's awesome. Did not know that. Fun I fact. like to hit people. I like to beat people up. I had a, I had a problem. I like to hit people. Not surprised you went to uh, rugby then. Right. It's like the contact sport with no pads. Yeah. It's, yeah. I like to kickboxing. <laughs> I like to hit people. And then, yeah. And then once they said like, oh no, you don't have to wear headgear or a mouthpiece anymore. You can just beat the crap out of each other on an open field in front of your parents. I was, I was, I was all in. So what do you, what do you do now then if you're not beating people up? Just, just the running is I enough run. to distract yourself. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> run. I wrestle our poodle every day. Probably we, we, he's 80 pounds. We have a solid wrestling match every once in a while. Um, 
And then I go on full beat downs on engineering WebEx conferences and just like let rage out in engineering <laughs> format. Nice. Um, that's God damn. I was going to, I was just going to say that's incredible. I think you might now officially be the scariest person on trail because not only will you absolutely destroy us in a race, but you could also beat us up at the finish line. That's yeah. Yes. You should, uh, I think you could ask David, you should have David Riddle on and ask him that. I generally shove him at some point at Mountain Mist start line. Also Barkley Fall Classic. I've shoved him. I, I generally try to beat up David Riddle every chance I get. I hope he, I hope he listens. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely going to tag him in this piece though. I just like, I like to, I, I've definitely fake tripped him at every mountain miss start as a joke. Cause I, I talk to the other gentlemen who line up really ready to take him on. And I go, do you want me to trip him? You want me? <laughs> I'll beat him up right now. And then I like just mess with him. But it's my, it's my favorite part of mountain mist right there. The first five, five minutes at the start line messing with the men. If I ever uh, run that race, I'll be sure to be in the mid pack. <laughs> yeah, <that'd> be, <laughs> we'll, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we'll we'll see it with the chilling and the beer at the end, but yeah. at the start line, we'll be a ways away. <laughs> we do have a good question from Matt Vance in the chat. It says it's his first time here. Uh, it's awesome. I'm glad you're watching with us tonight. It says uh, I've got a question to add to the conversation. What distance in trail racing do you feel is equivalent to a road marathon? It's a good question. Okay. Yeah, it's a good question. And the only one I can really say is a 50K, not only because of the distance being the closest, really, but um, unless you find a trail marathon, but because you really can't take your foot off the gas, right? Like a 50 miler, not to say you even take your foot off the gas there, but you definitely have to meter out eight hours to nine hours of effort over, over the course of that. And then maybe you're not worried about us taking along at an aid station to get some extra food, but like a 50K limited you know limited car limited bleh, limited carb intake throughout the race isn't you know it's hardcore um you can do it on goose you don't really need solid food um then you want your heart rate up there uh, that whole time if you're racing so that's my thought anyone else <laughs> i think it would matter the the big thing right there is going to be the elevation um because you probably get away though like like we've had people on who talk about like um so we've had uh Gabriel Water and Jake Conrad were talking about the Big Backyard Ultra and how recovering mm-hmm. from that almost what, what was what they go two hundred, yeah they they both went two hundred I think Jacob went two hundred eight and then like the very next week they went like second and third at the Mohican one hundred yeah and so they were talking about how recovery off of that two hundred miles over forty eight hours was way easier than any road marathon they've ever done like but it's the distance is absurd in differences. Um, but even then they even talk about like the hundred mile, just a regular hundred mile race is, is easier and they're able to walk and run the next day more quickly than if they did a hard road marathon. Um, so it's, it's, I think it varies, but it's very interesting. Um, and then Matt also asks since he's done one road marathon and is just curious about thoughts on a good distance to try for a first trail race. Um, 25k, 25k. Yeah, don't you don't go straight to fifty k because then you'll learn how the hard way. The trail running is different. <laughs> yeah, there's a, I actually had our I coached a, a, one of our best friends, uh, one of our neighbors actually to his first fifty k was Mountain Mist, um, and muscles on him hurt that he you know had never encountered in twenty mile road runs or anything like that. It's those the front of your shin muscles from picking your toes up. I would shoot everyone to twenty five k first. Learn, learn your weaknesses in a 15 mile race and uh, figure out 
you know, how many squats you really need to do and how many, <laughs> how much glute work you got to focus on <laughs> before. Yeah. Or just stability yeah. stuff. Like, um, I think I did uh, last couple years, last year it was, I did the 50 K up at rocks and roots in Columbus and it was just pure mud. And I, I've never been so, so sore in some of those st stability muscle areas that I, I was just like, like none of the, like none of the quads or hamstrings or like calves hurt. Nothing like that was hurt. It's just all those little muscles just from trying to stay up, staying up from sliding around. So oh, yeah, totally different. Yeah. And I will definitely say, I wish Liz had come to us with that advice, uh, like three years ago when I ran my first race, <laughs> which was a trail marathon and it was my first marathon and my first trail race and uh, i definitely learned some things that day i'll say it that way it's, yeah it's, it's a learning experience i think even half of it's more gear sometimes even then like yeah every, we'll, we'll learn strength from any run you do you could go to a temper mm -hmm. run or you need to work something else out but um teaching this friend that we coached i'll shoot i'll shout his name out my friend Vinny, and we <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make him follow you guys um making him learn, like ha having him learn about nutrition was incredible. Like he could take a goo with him for a 20 miler or 15 mile or something. And we're start talking about, Hey, you're going to be out here for almost seven hours or six and a half hours is your first attempt at this. You need your hundreds of calories of tailwind. Like we're, we, you know, showed him honey stinger waffles, you know, and it's like, and now you need a pack to put all of that in. Like <laughs> and here, here, and then you have to make sure that pack doesn't shake you. Uh, it gets, I think we all know mm -hmm. it gets really complicated um, once you start talking about being out on your on your feet for six hours and what you have to have with you. Yeah, and just to add to that, my first race wearing a hydration pack, the next day my traps were sore. I was oh, yeah. like, this hasn't happened since I've done power cleans. What is going on? Like my upper body is sore from a running race. What about hiking poles? After my, you know, 18 hours of scar, um, I'd like to say I wasn't sore. I do a lot of work with my hiking poles, but this muscle <laughs> right here. No, <laughs> that one? No, I don't know. I don't know what that one is. <clears throat> Someone help. Try that. There you go. Yeah. That one. Oof. Yeah. After 18 hours of trekking poles. Yeah, I've never used trekking poles in a race, but I will uh, definitely be training to use them before I ever try to use them on a race. Yes. Build up that muscle. Get a get a, yeah. get a a dumbbell and just this one right here all day. That, and I did as much of that as I could. And I still, by hour 18 and 15 minutes, I was very glad to be on the downhill with my trekking poles off to the side. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, um, you've got on your swap team shirt, you've mentioned, I, I think earlier that you had a coach. Um, and like Alex Gold, who's a friend of the show, we've had him on a couple of times. You're coached by David Roach. Uh, a question we have for you is, do you recommend runners look for a coach if they can afford it? Yeah, I think that's specific to the person and their personality and their desires from the sport. Um, uh, uh, me and a couple of friends, we, we've had this conversation many times. Uh, you know, a few of us have had unhealthy relationships with running, um, overdoing it you know, way too high mileage, not taking rest days or undertaking a streak for no reason, racing too much. I know if you look back at my 2016, 2017 ultra sign up, it's every month it, it, for no reason. I don't need to race at 50 K every month. Um, and then finding a coach is like, yeah, you don't need to race every month because the recovery isn't there. And uh, so my, you know, my mileage has gone down 
but it's consistent. I don't race every month and I'm, you know, approaching my thirties. I don't need to be at risk for injury anymore. There's no bouncing back from that as easily. And uh, so I think it benefited me, but I think if someone has a really healthy relationship with running and does it, you know, purely for enjoyment or racing is an adventure and not this horribly competitive, <laughs> stressful thing that some of us find ourselves in, um, you know, maybe, maybe put that money towards investing in a hot tub that you can enjoy and <laughs> in, in recovery. Um, I know that I'm trying to save up for a sauna, but um, I, I think there's benefit for, for anyone from, back of the pack to front of the pack, depending on, on what you want out of your running career to, to bring a coach into your life. That sounded weird. That's sounding like a dog rescue commercial for a moment. <laughs> to, to bring, bring a coach into your life. <laughs> uh, bring a chihuahua yeah. into mm-hmm. your life. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to adopt a shelter dog that could also make me a better runner somehow. I think that is one thing that's currently missing from my life. Do I'll tell you, poodles rip- make you a worse runner. My poodle has made me a worse runner. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, there's. I assume there's some stories behind that. Oh, he's just <laughs> slow as all get out. I would. I almost cursed. I don't know what the rules are of cursing in your pocket. He's slow as okay. slow as all get out. Yeah. We'll do it. Um, no, he's a. You put him on the road. He's a nine thirty pace, like <laughs> just chugging away, mm-hmm. um, and stops to poop and pee on everything. So it's a disaster. Um, Put him on trail though. He'll he'll keep with you if you're going at least eight or nine minute pace. Um, as long as you let him pee on every tree he sees. But yeah, <laughs> find yourself a Vigila. I've heard Vigilas will just run seven minute pace, six minute pace on the road and just go forever. Go yeah, Ridgebacks. Apparently those mm. are do thirty miles, but then you have to exercise those dogs apparently every day or they oh, yeah. will destroy your house. So that's yeah. a good motivator, right? Come home and have your couch torn up because you didn't take your dog out for a run. Yeah, I think our dog, um, that's and I we put him away because he would have found a toy to like totally annoy us with. Um, he won't dest- he's never destroyed anything in his life. He did chew on my treadmill one day, but he will interrupt all of your work calls. <laughs> that's that's what he does if you don't run him. He finds a way to try to get under my fingers while I'm typing now that we're working mm-hmm. home, but otherwise poodles sleep, I think. He's also gigantic and has a fur coat on. Probably just gets really tired. Uh, That's great. And so one thing, um, as someone like me, who's been at least relatively curious about getting a coach in the past, how much input do you have in the coaching relationship? You know, I can't imagine David Roach is giving orders from on high, but just because I can't imagine him giving orders ever. Um, you know, if you want to change a workout or you want to take another rest day or something like that, how does that conversation sort of go? Yeah. I mean, he is so open to communication. It's a Facebook message. Heck, I think I could DM him on Instagram if I if things got really weird and that was the quickest thing for me. Could probably Snapchat him. Um, now I've, I mean, I'll have days where you know, but, you know, best uh, best intentions go awry. My six hour work day where I think I can then you know get out for a workout becomes um, I was on the phone till seven thirty with NASA, and uh, now I can I'm going to go run five miles easy. You know that that happens to me sometimes. And, uh, he's, 
more than willing to to accommodate. Um, there's value to work, and but there's not value to making stuff up and overdoing it. I think there's there's always value to work, but there's never value when it just adds stress to your life. When a lot of us are juggling pandemic, work from home, children, dogs, what have you. Um, now he's it's been an incredibly positive experience working with uh, the the swap team. That's that's really great to hear. And I think now that David Roach Snapchat friend is the um, that might be the most coveted thing to gain in ultra running. He might not he might not have Snapchat. I might might have made it up, but I, I it would just be the best thing if I could just like go if we could see my face in misery like on the phone at eight <laughs> o'clock at night. Like, I'm so sorry. It's not going to happen today. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we'll know that Ridge Runners has made it when we have David Roach on Snapchat. Oh. Now, yeah, I'm going to have to message him later, tell him to get on it. <laughs> All right. And so you've uh, said before in interviews that you can be a pretty cynical person. And as we've kind of mentioned, David Roach is just about as happy-go-lucky as they come. Uh, does that ever cause friction in the coach-athlete relationship? Is that something that more cynical or more jaded people, kind of like myself, frankly, should be looking for in a coach? Somebody who's just shouting, you're awesome and you're the best at you all the time? It depends depends on what you take from that. If you find it insincere of someone who is that positive, um, then yeah, you're not going to have a good relationship with it. And I've met people like that. But uh, I think if you've ever talked to David Roach or Megan Roach, they are the most sincere, positive, golden retriever, labradoodle, happy people I've ever met. Um, and uh I think it took meeting him in person and talking to him on the phone just once um, after conversing via email to be like, Oh no, you're, you're just legitimately this, this happy uh, to, to be okay with it. And um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was raised outside of Boston, Massachusetts in a drug riddled suburb. <laughs> there's no, there's no more cynical than me. Um, but if someone's putting that much time and effort to showing me that, you know, I'm worth it and I'm worth their time and that, um, enjoying running is a, is a worthwhile pursuit. And uh, heck yeah, occasionally I will put my caps lock on and go, I had a great run right back to him. Um, takes a lot, but uh, I think he's chipping away at my, at my hard soul. <laughs> I think my husband would say so. Maybe I'm a little happier than usual. Yeah. He's a, from everything I've always watched with him, he's just never been, I've never heard of a negative thing out of his mouth ever on any form of interview or whatever. It's just, so it's it's not surprising to see him rubbing off on people and all of those people that he coaches. But it's interesting too because like he coaches obviously different types of personalities too and can manage that really well. Um, yeah. Let's move on to uh, some of our favorite short questions of the evening. Um, I see you're excited about that. Um, first one we have on the list is what is one thing that you can't leave an aid station without? Oreos. Oreos. Oreos without fail. Mm -hmm. Do I, do I expand or is it like rapid fire short question? You can expand if you, <laughs> if want. you want. We've, we've gotten are... real in depth in some of these before. <laughs> Oreos. I, this is, I think my husband's favorite story from Penhody 100, which was my first hundred miler. Um, I ate Oreos for 22 hours and eight minutes. 
whatever my time was. That was it. I didn't touch a single other thing. We brought a ton of food. The aid stations had a ton of food. I ate only Oreos and drank caffeinated tailwind. Um, I didn't poop for like four days after that, but (laughs) I ran a great first hundred miler and didn't, and didn't get really miserable till the end. Um, and now I don't even head to like a long run weekend. If we're going to do like 25 in the Smokies or something without a uh, family size pack of double stuff Oreos. Um, and they're vegan for anyone who is interested. (laughs) I'm not They're They're vegan. They're straight sugar. Um, but they crunch and, uh, it, man, I can't, if I could get sponsored by Nabisco, I'd be all over it. Now, when you, when you eat Oreos in the trail, is it, are you like, you know, engineering it, taking it apart and like eating it in a certain manner, or is this like, a just gobble it down and go? No, I have. Um, <laughs> so this is probably grosser to some people. Um, if I'm really just wanting the sugar and my mouth's already dry, I'll split it and throw away the top part. <laughs> just eat the part with the cream on it. And so if anyone's following me in the woods, they might see a trail of tops of Oreos when I split them and only eat the bottom part. <laughs> and that's probably the weirdest thing about me. It's like, no, the top part would be too dry and crunchy. <laughs> just eat the bottom part. Wait, but do you do you eat only the the filling or do you eat just the bottom cookie part and then the filling? The latter. I just eat the bottom cookie part and the filling because just the filling would be that serial killer level, I think. I think anyone who does that and throws away two pieces of Oreos. So I'm just like a sociopath, just one step removed. <laughs> so just the bottom half and leaving a trail when I could very easily save them and eat them later. But, <laughs> but I throw them to the, to the wolves to eat Oreos. <laughs> That's didn't know there were wolves in uh, Alabama, but I'll definitely keep an eye out if I'm ever in that state. <laughs> Definitely coyotes, as I understand it. Everywhere in this country. Um, So before we continue our quick questions, Wesley did jump in the chat finally. And Wesley has said he has so much admiration for you, Liz, with seven miles left in the Barkley Fall Classic of 2017, so that you had caught up to him in the final seven mile section. Um, I remember, I remember that was such a fun time. I had so much fun with him. Do you want to, I'll let you tell the story since you obviously were there. Oh, I don't know that I remember this. If he, I, if he has more story, I remember it was, we were in chimney tops, which is my favorite part of that course. Um, my, I go to frozen head all the time. Uh, chimney tops is an incredible, horrible loop. Um, and I think we volleyed for a little bit. Um, and we also just chatted and also probably got lost a little bit together because the markings are hard to see when she get up top. Um, and then I think eventually I just passed him and went, and then it's a downhill all the way to the finish. Um, is his story the same or did something funny happen that I don't remember? <laughs> no, he just said that, um, that you informed him that, you know, you had got lost for like eight miles, uh, was in great spirits and helped provide yeah. a lot of guidance to a younger ultra runner himself that day. Um, and you ended up crushing him by 10 plus <laughs> minutes in the final section. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to say crushing, but yeah, no, that was the year. Um, that was the year. I think David Riddle has some amazing posts from the 2017 BSC. Um, half the field got lost. It was incredible. Um, it was, it was the greatest thing that, that I've ever seen happen in a race because uh, yeah, half the field, including the lead runners sprinted six minute pace down a road onto private property into mm-hmm. somebody's hunting land um, before, because you know, David Riddle's running so fast that you can't stop. 
Um, and then I turned around uh, early because I don't run that fast. Um, and everybody else who was running real fast took longer to turn around. Um, and then half the field ended up nearly on someone's private property. So that was, that was an incredible year. But yeah, I remember it was like, that was a, that was a fun, that was a fun climb up to new tops with him. Um, I'll let uh, Ham take the next question because it's probably his favorite question, I think, to ask. <laughs> That's true. This was, uh, I think, one of the very first questions I wrote for Ridge Runners when I joined the team. Um, and it's, uh, the, you know, we've got our Spotify playlist. So if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, what would yours be? Tempo by Lizzo. That's my go-to right now. And I think I uh, pasted a verse to you guys that it's an incredibly inappropriate song and I sing it to myself out loud near children because I'm <laughs> probably. Um, I'm not, I don't know that I need to sing it for you guys, but if you'd like to. Oh, I, I know the song. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. F it up to the tempo is the, yeah, refraining line over and over again. And I sang that uh, for the last two hours of my scar attempt. Just that line. Mm. <laughs> Just ran. Like, um, it's a good song. It's awesome. It's a great song. Can't wait to add it to the playlist with the Rocky theme and the Sound of Music soundtrack and some death metal courtesy of Samuel Hartman. Uh, it's going to make a really great addition especially because I think the last songs we added were um, when Tanner Lee got on and he accessed our Spotify um, where it's hosted and he added the entire Smokey and the Bandit soundtrack. But I guess oh, winning I Ohio's, him. I guess winning Ohio's Backyard Ultra means you can do things like that. Eastbound and down, load <laughs> up and trucking. We're gonna do what they say. Oh man, come yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jerry Lee, yeah. You also you have to listen to the Spotify playlist next time you go for a run. I, I live in Alabama, man. Texarkana ain't that far away. That's great. And so um, do you have any pre-race rituals, Liz? Uh, pizza and beer. And what about That's any it. particular post-race indulgences? This is easy. Pizza and beer. That's all we do. Is this, the second you're done, right before you start, the same thing going in and out. Pizza and beer. What else do you need? Mm -hmm. It's easy. It's, it's well-rounded. It's a rounded meal. Love it. Um, if you could run with one person in history of the world, even if they aren't um, a runner and assuming they'd be able to keep the same pace with you, um, who would it be and where would you run and why? I said, don't ask me this one. No, this one was, this one, I went sappy. Um, I'm not interesting at all. Uh, I lost my grandfather several years ago um, and he got to see my rugby career. So he got to be a part of that. And he thought it was the shit. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> he thought it was awesome. And um, he never got to see any of what I'm doing now. Uh, very little. Like he, I think he knew I ran my first hundred miler. Um, and I would, and he was a absolute badass, covered in tattoos, maybe that I would do anything to have him come chug along with me um, on the AT. Uh, I think he would, I was his, uh, I was his tomboy, right? As you can tell, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was the tomboy. So, uh, if I could have him come for a run, it would probably, yeah, it would be enough. I couldn't even think of anyone off the top of my head, any, anyone historical that I want to spend any time with. <laughs> I love that. We, that's, it's become my favorite question because we always get these such heartwarming answers. Um, and so 
With that said, Liz, do you have any sponsors uh, that you would like to plug? Anybody that you'd like to say thank you to before we close the show tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and I think people know this. I was sponsored by Sunto for about two years. Um, and unfortunately, they did just dissolve their uh, Sunto elite team. Um, so, but kudos to them. They put on a great run. COVID put a big hit into their um, advertising opportunities, obviously. You know, none of us could race with our gear on. So they were an incredible uh, partner. Um, and it's still my watch of choice and always and always will be. Um, and I'm uh, also uh, a Tailwind ambassador. Like I said, Oreos and Tailwind will get me through the day. Otherwise, I wear anything on my feet and anything on my body. So <laughs> open for sponsors, right? <laughs> Well, hopefully somebody does pick you up soon because you definitely deserve it. Um, you're really at the pointy end of all these races and we were so stoked to have you on. Um, Liz, for people who want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Sure. I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's at run canty run. Um, my last name, which is probably on the little screen there. Right. And, uh, I have a Facebook, but I might not accept you as a friend. Don't take it personally. I don't have, I never check my, I never check the front of us. Um, Instagram is, is pretty legit. Slide into my DMs. I will talk to anybody all day long about running. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't have a blog and all the time. And if you'd like to know, oh, and if you'd like to know anything about the human landing system going to the moon for NASA, I'm also in some videos on there. So if anyone would like to see me talk about, uh, talk about going to space, there's stuff about that too. If you Google me, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. Liz, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was a pleasure. We were so stoked to have you on. Um, just a quick reminder to everybody, you know, if you stayed around this long, you might as well subscribe. If you're listening, this is a podcast forum. Like I said earlier, we love you too. Make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Otherwise, we will see y'all soon uh, next week, I believe. Right, JD? Yeah, I believe there's uh, at least one show next week and maybe another one if we can pull it off. So, all right. It's going to be a good time. We'll uh, see everybody next week and uh, have a good night. Good night. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Mm-hmm.